We will do 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Let me read this. Follow along. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live, when they observe your pure, reverend lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of good worth, or I'm sorry, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You've become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, loving one another, and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Let me pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody that's here. Be with me as I teach and be with everyone here as they hear your word. Let it impact their lives, God. We love you so much and we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, y'all may be seated. It's my countryside coming out. Y'all may be seated. All right. Uh, Before we get going, who in here has had a pretty good week so far? Anybody had a good week? Yeah? Anybody have a bad week? Yeah? Okay. I feel like you two always have bad weeks. Is it? Oh, you were sick. Okay, a lot of people have been sick. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. Um, yes, good week or bad week? It was good. My week was good until you told me you weren't going to Wyoming, and now it's bad. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Yes. He got what? Your dad got a four-wheeler? Can't wait to come over to your house. No, I did not see it. Sorry. Okay, well... Awesome. So here's what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go ahead and dive in. We don't have the graphic on the screen, but we're doing our series right now called um, Not Our Home. Not Our Home. This is a study in the book of First Peter, and we've covered chapters one and two already, so now we're in chapter three. And what I want to do is I, I want to, um, we'll just briefly talk about that passage I read. Um, who in here has been going to church on Wednesdays? Anybody kind of come up? I know we got a couple. We're doing a series right now on dating called Meant to Be. And we're talking about how um, guys, you know, we're, we're trying to show you how to look for a good godly lady who will be your wife someday. And ladies, how you, you're going to find a good guy. Because ladies, I hate to tell you this, most guys are kind of bums, okay? All right? You got to find the right one, all right? Don't settle. Gentlemen, don't settle for a girl just because she's pretty, all right? And the reason I'm not going to dive too much into this passage I just read here, we're going to actually focus more on the second half of chapter 3. But that, that first half that I just read a minute ago talks about wives and husbands, and I just preached on this passage, so I figured I wouldn't do that again today. But let me just point out a couple things just so that we kind of cover it here. But um, I, look at, uh, let me see, verse 3. Ladies, don't let your beauty consist only of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart. Is it wrong to wear gold jewelry and nice hairdo? No, it's not wrong. But this is saying here that you want to be, uh, your beauty needs to be inside, okay? And gentlemen, when you're looking for a wife, 
all right? Don't settle for a girl who's just pretty, all right? You want to find a wife who's pretty on the inside, who loves the Lord. I always tell guys, find a girl who loves God more than you do, okay? Because uh, they'll, they'll push you towards God, and it's a good thing to have a wife that, that pushes you towards God. And ladies, do not, don't settle for guys that will not uh, push you towards the Lord, okay? Uh, here in verse 7, it says, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with understanding. Um, the, uh, the other passage that I read the other day says, uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And we talked about on Wednesday how that is not an easy thing to do because Christ, don't you think Christ, remember the church is us, right? The church body, the people who follow Jesus. Don't you think Christ loved the church a lot, right? What did he do to show his love? He died on a cross. And so it's this idea that, that uh, Paul, in, in the book of Ephesians, that passage I read, he said, he said, husbands, you need to love your wife as much as Christ loved the church. Like, be willing to sacrifice yourself for your wife. Be willing to give everything for your wives. Okay? So um, that's just kind of a brief overview there of uh, chat, or verses 1 to 12. In just a minute, I'm going to read you verses 13 to 22. Um, and that's actually going to be the passage of Scripture that we focus on today. And let me ask you guys a question. Who in here, anybody like going to the doctor's? Anybody like going to the doctor? Anyone? Nobody. Okay. All right. And who hates going to the doctors? We got a lot of, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of doctors. I think once you have a loved one pass away and you're in a hospital a lot, I think you kind of associate negative kind of thoughts towards it. Well, um, being a pastor, I've, I have to go to hospitals often. And um, I'm going to tell you about a lady that I just went and saw yesterday. But um, I want to I bring up the fact that there are some doctors that uh, will give it to you straight, and then there's some doctors who will sugarcoat it, all right? Have, um, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I like it when people shoot straight. I, I don't like it when stuff is sugarcoated. For instance, if, if you're going to the hospital, let's say that the doctor has in front of him a diagnosis that's terrible for you, like you're dying or something. You, you, you want the doctor to be honest with you, don't you? You don't want to just say, how's it going, doctor? And he's like, uh, you're, doing, you're doing pretty good. Everything will be okay. You're like, well, it might not be, right? I kind of want to know, right? And so um, there's a show called Arrested Development. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, okay? But there's a show where um, there's a character in the show that's a doctor who is hilarious because of how he, like, he confuses the family a lot based on what he tells them in the waiting room. So there's an episode where the dad is, uh, he's on the run from the FBI because he embezzled a lot of money. And so they're trying to get him, but the dad has a heart attack, so he's in the hospital, and he doesn't want to be there. He wants to get out of there because he doesn't want to go to prison, right? So he's in, he's in the hospital, he's in the room, and all of his family's in the waiting room. And the doctor comes out and he goes, all right, come on, come on, I'm talking to the family. He's like, come here, I got, a, I got, I got some news for you. And they said, what's the news? And, the, and they said, how's, how's dad? How's, how's my husband, the wife? And she said, and the doctor said, well, he's gone. I'm sorry, he's gone. And they were like, oh, no. And they started crying and stuff and everything was bad. This is a comedy, by the way. So, so she, she, they're like crying and stuff. And, and then the doctor's like, what's, what? I think he's okay. And they said, what? And they said, well, no, 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 he's gone. He jumped out the window. He didn't want to get arrested. He's, he left the hospital. And they're like, you idiot. Like, how could you? You made us think he was dead. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, don't read into this. I just told you he was gone, right? And then there's a later episode where the son of the family is swimming in the ocean and he gets his hand, his left hand, eaten off by a seal, okay? Like a seal is in the ocean, eats his left hand off, goes to the hospital, the family's waiting in the room, and they see the same doctor comes out, and they're like, oh, how's, his name was Buster. They said, how's Buster? How's, how's he doing? And the doctor says, guys, he's all right. And they were like, oh, thank the Lord. They said, yes, he's all right. And they said, oh, thank the Lord. We thought he was really hurt. And, and, and the doctor's like, no, no, this is, this is serious, all right? He's all right. And they said, wait, wait a minute. You're saying he's okay? He says, no, no, no. His left hand got eaten off. He's, he's all right. He's like right-handed now. And, 
And, and they're just like, you jerk. And they like yelled at him again and stuff. But this is a doctor who wasn't giving it to him straight, was he? This is a doctor who was, he was confusing. Well, I like it when doctors give it to, to me straight. I like it when they say, here's what you're dealing with. Here's the reality of it. And in the same way that a doctor, we like doctors that give it to us straight, Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, is like a doctor in that he doesn't sugarcoat this. He tells you exactly what you need to hear. And guys, I'm telling you, in church, surround yourself with people, or in life and in, in general, with Christians who will tell you the truth. Do not surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. Because sometimes what you want to hear is not the right thing that you need to hear, right? You, you, you need people around who will tell you, hey, listen, you're being an idiot. You're doing the wrong things. I've had friends like this in my life who were very impactful. And so Peter is this way with the early church. So before we dive into this, um, l- let me recap the early church, kind of what they're going through right now. And I'll need some help here from you guys. So who can remember, is, is the early church going through a good time during the writing of First Peter or a bad time? What do you think? Bad time. Okay, somebody tell me why. What's going on? Yes, ma'am correct. They're getting persecuted, okay? Um, the example that you used is um, there's, there's an emperor named Nero, and I've talked about this every week, but we'll just, just for the sake of context, we'll go through it again. But Nero is an evil emperor who decided that he was going to burn down Rome because he wanted to expand his palace. So as it's burning, he's up there singing a song like a demented madman, and uh, it's burning down. And I think in his mind, he thought people would be okay with this, and afterwards, he found out that people actually don't like it when their homes and businesses are burned down. So, so he sees everybody's angry, and he goes, well, I better, I better push the blame off on somebody else. So who does he blame? The Christians, right? The Christians are a smaller group of people that are growing in numbers, but he says, I'm going to blame these guys. So he blames them, and now everybody does not like the Christians. They're, they're being persecuted. Persecution means that you are being killed or imprisoned or punished for what you believe, okay? So if you simply said, hey, I'm a Christian, they could throw you in prison or kill you there on the spot. And Nero was, like I said, he was demented. He did a couple things. Remember, he had parties at nighttime that needed light. He would set these posts. They would attach Christians to him and light the Christians on fire. And the Christians would provide the lighting for their parties, which is pretty crazy. He would also skin animals, wrap the animal skin around these Christians, send them into the arena where the lions were, and the lions would shred them to pieces. So, I mean, being a Christian back in these days, Josh, Josh, being a Christian back in these days was not a very easy thing, okay, Uh, in terms of what could happen to you physically. You could be imprisoned or killed. And so Peter, when he's writing this book to them, he gives it to them straight. The series of our, our, our uh, the, the title of our series is Not Our Home, and, and it's called, and the, the, the subtext is Encouragement from the Book of First Peter. And Peter is literally saying, listen, guys, I know we're being killed for what we believe. I know we're being persecuted, but have faith. Like, he's giving them this hope. And he's saying, listen, the biggest word of hope that he gave them is that this is not our home. You guys ever been to a place where you're traveling through a place, and you're just having a bad time, and you're just like, oh, I can't wait to get home, right? Like, the thing that gets you through is when you go, oh, home is waiting for me, right? I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I do this every time I drive through the state of West Virginia. I'm like, I'm almost out. I'm almost out, right? But people, uh, th- these Christians, Peter was telling them, he's like, listen, guys, this is not your home. You may have grown up here. You may have family here. You may have kids here. You may have a business here, a home here, all this stuff. But this is not your home, okay? Your home is where? It's heaven with God. And I'll tell you, if you can keep that in your mind, it doesn't matter what you'll go through. You can go through crappy times, but just remember that God is waiting on the other side for you, 
okay? So this is the encouragement that he gave them. And what we're going to talk about, I'm going to read you now verses 13 to 22, the second half of chapter 3. And in this passage, it's specifically talking about suffering. And i got three points here that, that I think we can learn from the suffering that Peter is talking about. Because remember, Christians, we don't believe that suffering is just this random thing that happens that doesn't mean anything. We actually think suffering does something to us. A lot of times it helps us grow in our faith. A lot of times when you suffer and if you're living on track for Jesus, it can show other people who God is, who Christ is by how you respond during suffering. So let me read this and then we'll go over these three points of what we can take out of suffering here, okay? Verse 13, follow along. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, listen to this, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for our sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as the removal, or I'm sorry, as the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the last verse who's gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with the angels and authorities and the powers subject to him. So this is a passage here that talks about suffering. It talks, uh, not only does it talk about suffering, but this is a passage where Peter gives it to you straight, okay? He says, listen, um, here's, here's what you may think about suffering, but here's, here's what you need to know about suffering. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and do um, our three points. Where did my marker go? Uh, where is it? Oh, there it is. Sorry. Good eyes. Good eyes, Pruitt. All right. So let's do this. Um, let's look at point number one. Um, let me reread you 13 and 14. It says, Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. So here's point number one about suffering, okay? Is do not be intimidated, all right? Do not be intimidated. Uh, you guys have seen uh, The Lion King, right? Not the newer version, but the older version, which is the better version, okay? But the old, does anybody, does anybody disagree? Do you disagree, Bella? You like the newer version? <laughs> I saw your face when I made that comment. I, guys, I, when it comes to Disney movies, I always like the originals better. I did not like the new Aladdin. I thought it was hot garbage. The original was my favorite. Anyways, um, so, so um, in The Lion King, there's a scene where you know, where Simba is, uh, he's being confronted by the hyenas, you know, and the hyenas are about to kill him, and he, he like, tries to roar at them, and they don't, they don't, they're not intimidated, right? When do they become intimidated, though? It's when Mufasa's right behind him, right? And when he kind of screams, Mufasa goes, or he does his roar, and Mufasa goes, roar, and kind of shows them, you know? The reason I bring this story up, and like I said, I brought it up many times, but it's a cool story because it kind of gives us perspective as to, like, we've got God with us at all times, do you think Simba would ever be intimidated if his dad was walking with him every step of the way? No, he would never be intimidated. And Peter's telling us this as Christians. He says, guys, listen, you guys 
are, uh, you're, you're, you're Christians and stuff, and, and you're going to face tough times. You're going to face people who don't agree with what you're saying. They hate what you're saying. They're going to throw you in prison or kill you for it. But don't be intimidated. And why is that? He's not saying that bad things aren't going to happen because, I mean, clearly we see in the book of Acts that bad things did happen to good people, right? A lot of the Christians were persecuted and killed for what they believed. However, these Christians realized that what happened to their body was not the most important thing. What was most important was the message that they proclaimed. So they said, hey, listen, listen, I'm going to proclaim this message. If it means that I die for it, so be it. Look at verse 13. He says, when, uh, who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? I'm sorry, it's verse 14. He says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about that? Like, you're being killed for what you believe, and you're just like, oh, I'm blessed, you know? They're like, hey, we're going to put you on a, a, a stick here, and we're going to light you on fire. And you're like, sweet, I'm blessed, right? It, it, it's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? But this is Peter giving it to him straight. He's saying, listen, guys, it is an honor to die for God. It's an honor to be ridiculed for God. It's an honor to be persecuted for God. This is an honor. And when you see it that way, you, you kind of will overlook things like what happens to you physically. You guys ever heard of the uh, motorcycle guy, Evil Knievel? Anybody ever heard of Evil Knievel? All right. Uh, Isaiah, tell me about Evil Knievel. What do you know about him? you know anything about him? He was a motorcycle guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he was, his specialty was jumping over... Uh, he would get on his motorcycle. He would drive up on these ramps and try to jump over cars. And every time he would try to jump over these cars, he would, like, add more and more cars so it would be riskier and riskier and more dangerous and more dangerous. And, and I don't know if you guys are like me, but whenever you see people try to do these, like, stunts and stuff, isn't there a part of you that kind of wishes that they kind of hope they fail? You know what I mean? Like, that kind of sounds bad, but, like, but you're just like, I wonder what would happen if he didn't clear all 60 of these cars. Hmm. And guess what? Many times he didn't, okay, because listen to this. Evil Knievel, he was, uh, they called him the pioneer of distance motorcycle jumping. And what's cool is he always wore the red, white, and blue suits with the, with the capes and stuff, and he'd always come out like this. It was crazy, right? But listen to this. He loved what he did. He was so passionate about it. For his efforts, though, he paid the price. He crashed more than 20 times. So this means that in 20 occasions when he was going to be jumping these things, 20 times he didn't do it well, okay, and he's probably lucky he lived. And not, not only that, but he suffered numerous injuries, mostly broken bones. His, he, he was entered into the Guinness Book of World Records for how many bone fractures he had by the end of his career in 1975. Any guesses as to how many bone fractures this dude had? What do you think, Duke? Close to 100. Josh, what do you think? 83, Duke? Or uh, Rooster, what do you think? 146. Wow, that's 147. Okay, let me tell you. His entry into the Guinness Book of World Records states that he suffered 433 bone fractures, okay? So 433 times he broke a bone. Now, you know this is multiple bones over and over. Carrie, you would have loved to have seen this guy. Carrie is a chiropractor, so he would have. <laughs> but, but this guy, listen, listen, they would ask him. They would say, hey, evil Knievel. You, you just broke your back, dude. Like, why, why do you keep doing this? And he would always say, I love doing it. He's passionate about it. And guys, it is funny what you're willing to sacrifice for things that you're passionate about, isn't it? When I was dating my wife, when we first started dating, like I would give up hanging out with my buddies to hang out with my girlfriend, right? Or I would, I would, like, I would go see movies that she liked that I didn't like. I mean, I was willing to sacrifice 
manly stuff to hang out with my now wife, right? When you have children, you sacrifice a lot for your kids because you love them. They're worth it. And in the same way, evil Knievel sacrificed his bones in his body for something that he was passionate about. When you look at the book of Acts, you see people who were so passionate about Christ, it didn't matter what happened to them. I mean, think about this. Evil Knievel literally put his life on the line every time he jumped. He could have died. And these Christians, they said, hey, guys, 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 you're, you realize that if you live for Christ, there's a chance that you could die. There's a chance that you could be thrown on a stake and burned alive. And you know what they'd say? It's worth it. It's worth it. Because remember, this is not our home. What happens to our body here does not affect what happens to us in heaven. Well, I mean, it does in a good way. Like, if you suffer for Christ, God is very pleased by this, okay? If you choose God over what happens here on earth, God is very pleased by this. So, guys, the, just remember, I guess, the, the premise that we can get from this. Don't be intimidated, but just remember that don't fall victim to this idea that bad things can't happen to good people because the Bible doesn't preach that at all. I've heard people, they're going through a bad time, and they go, how can I believe in God? I'm going through a tough time. And I'm like, where in the Bible does it tell you that, that God is telling us that we're not ever going to go through tough times? It doesn't say that at all. In fact, the, the early Christians, becoming a Christian meant you just, <laughs> by the nature of Christianity in the early church, it just meant you were going to go through tough times. So don't ever think that uh, becoming a Christian means you're not going to face hard times, because you will, all right? That's Peter. Uh, you know, shooting straight with them, okay? So now let's go ahead and look at um, point number two. Let's look at verse 15, all right? This is a very popular verse, okay? Verse 15, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, and here it is, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So here's point number two. Any guesses? Point number two, always be prepared. That's good. What else? Ready. Ready, yeah, great job. How'd you get that? I'm very impressed. Okay, here it is. Always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready. One of my favorite, um, uh, uh, I think it was Karate Kid. You guys ever seen the Karate Kid, like the old school one? Yeah, pretty good movie, nice 80s music, uh, <laughs> 80s movie with some good 80s music, all right? But um, in this movie, I always remember like, uh, like, like the Karate Kid will be sitting there and then his Kung Fu master would just throw stuff at him randomly and he'd hit him in the face. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, always be ready. Expect the unexpected, right? That's the kind of the line, right? And he's saying you always got to be ready. And guys, I want to encourage you in the same way. As Christians, always be ready to have a conversation with somebody about why you believe what you believe. Always be ready. This is what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, you're going to go through suffering. You're going to face hard times. You're going to see people who don't know you. Be ready to tell them why you believe. One of the biggest problems I think we have with uh, teenagers, and not just teenagers, but any Christian in the United States, is I think a lot of people probably know what they believe. Like, we know that Jesus died on a cross, and we're thankful for him. But the question is, why do you believe? You ever ask yourself that question? Why do you believe? A lot of people, a lot of younger people, Blake, Josh, a lot of younger people only believe because they've been going to church as a kid, right? It's just, it's, it's all you've known, right? You go to church as a kid, and you go, oh, yeah, well, my Sunday school teacher has told me that Jesus is real and that the Bible is real. I believe it. Or my parents have told me that the Bible is real. I believe it. Guys, just because your parents and Sunday school teachers tell you this, you know that's not a good reason to believe in God, right? It's not a good reason. In fact, if somebody came up to you and they said, non-Christian, hey, why do you believe in Jesus? And you go, well, my Sunday school teacher told me. They'd be like, Who's that? I don't, who is that? I don't even know who that is. Why do you believe in Jesus? Well, my mommy and daddy told me. Well, 
what? Okay, that doesn't do anything for me, right? Guys, you need to know. This is why actually I don't discourage you guys from looking at what other religions believe, right? Because I'm confident that Christianity holds up. But, but when you are talking to people, it's good to know what other people believe. It's good to know why they believe what they believe. But most importantly, it's good to know why do you believe in Jesus? Like, I would encourage you guys, go home, take out a piece of paper, and just write out what, why, what are the reasons you believe in Jesus? Because, because you're, you're, you're going to encounter people who want to know this. When I worked at the bank, I, um, uh, I've told you before that, that some of my best ministry happened when I was working at the bank. And when I was working in the bank, like, people would just, like, I didn't go to, to work that day saying, okay, I'm going to talk about uh, creation today. Like, no, peop, people would come up to me and they'd say, um, they, it, it all started politically, actually. They, they know I'm conservative. So they'd say, hey, uh, what's your thoughts on this? And I'd tell them, and then we'd start talking about it like God would always creep into the conversation. But what was cool is most times I felt pretty prepared to talk to them about this stuff. And I couldn't, I couldn't go into work not being ready because they would just ask me stuff. They'd be like, hey, you're a Christian, right? And I'm like, yeah. Well, what do you think about this? And I go, uh, <laughs> I'm not ready for this question. I'll be back. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, I think there are times that you can say you don't know the answer to something. Let me figure it out. But a lot of times, people who claim to be Christians, they can't even tell you why they believe what they believe. And that's a problem. These Christians here, they said, not only am I going to tell you what I believe, I'm not only going to tell you why I believe, but I'm going to show you that I believe. And they were literally willing to put their lives on the line for Christ. So when, when, the, when he talks about here, like we need to be ready, you need to be ready at any time to tell somebody about Jesus. Um, there's a lady that I, um, that I know named Linda Orion. I don't know if you've heard me talk about Linda before, but Linda is a lady who started helping me out probably eight years ago in kids' ministry. And Linda, I, I think she's in her late 60s, early 70s, but Linda is um, a lady who's very passionate about God. She came to know Jesus when she was, I think, 12 years old. She rode the bus, um, uh, the bus ministry, took, picked her up at her house and brought her to church because her parents didn't go to church. And ever since uh, she was a kid, she's had a heart for God. And so she started helping me out in kids' ministry because she said, hey, I was affected by bus ministry. I, I want to help these kids that are coming in on the bus ministry. I want to help these kids learn about God. And Linda actually had leukemia, I think, earlier in her life, in her 40s or 50s. And, and then she got leukemia again just recently, three years ago. And so uh, if you don't know what leukemia is, it's, uh, it's a cancer, right? So she's dying of cancer. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny because what I would do is I'd go visit her in the hospital. And I'd say, Linda, how you doing? And she goes, she goes it's not, not, not going well. And so I'd pray with her. I'd talk with her. And then I'd go back to my staff meeting. I'm like, guys, it's, it's not good. Like, I don't think she's going to last much longer. And then she would live another six months. And I would say, and then, so I was like, well, okay, great. Our prayers work. This is awesome. So then it happened again. This happened like four or five times where I'd go to staff meeting and I'd say, guys, I don't think Linda's going to make it. And they're like, dude, you've told us this before. Like the, she's like the iron lady. She will not die, right? She keeps getting better and better. So this last uh, uh, two, yesterday, it was yesterday, I went and visited her in the hospital. And um, she's on a ventilator now. She wasn't even awake. She's not doing well. And so I talked to her. I talked to the family. Then I got a text, and the family said, hey, um, chances are tonight will be the night, last night. So sure enough, I get a text this morning, and they said, hey, great news. She pulled through. <laughs> like we were, I was like, oh, my gosh. This lady is, she's awesome. But, but here's, here's what's really cool about Linda. She's a fighter, obviously, you can see. But the best thing about Linda is um, if you ever, like people who, who are sick that have to go to the hospital over and over again, it can be really taxing on the mind. So she would go home, she'd be fine for a couple of days, and then she'd have to go right back to the hospital because of low uh, blood cell count. 
And, and, and I asked her, I said, how, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm going to be honest, it's, it's, it's tough. Like, you think you're doing better, and then you get worse, and you got to go back to the hospital. But what's cool about Linda is that one day I go in there, and she's smiling and everything. And I said, Linda, what's, um, I said, I'm sorry you're going through this. Like, I'm sorry that you got to keep coming back here. And she goes, Matt, you know what's cool about this? She goes, um, my mission is still the same, right? I like to talk to people about God, share Christ. She goes, my mission is the same. My mission field is different, though. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She goes, well, I would go to church and help you teach the kids about Christ. Obviously, I can't do that anymore because I'm in the hospital. So I'm just teaching the nurses about God, and I'm teaching the doctors about God and other patients that are with me here. So what's cool is this lady, Linda, sees every chance that she meets somebody as an opportunity to talk about Jesus. You can never go up to Linda and ask her what and why she believes, and she'll be blank. Like, she knows why, why she believes. She knows what she believes. This is a perfect example of somebody who's ready at all times, okay? So I want to encourage you guys, you know, be, um, don't, uh, don't, don't be caught unprepared, right? Study, your, study the Bible. Pray to God. Learn why do you believe what you believe. Look up the historical evidence, you know? There's a lot of evidence that shows that Jesus was buried in a tomb and that they opened the tomb and he wasn't there anymore, okay? Like, there's tons of this stuff. So, guys, research this stuff. Be ready to talk to somebody about that, okay? And then here's one last point in, in this that I want to point out is that if you look at 15, it says, um, uh, you know, uh, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. And then verse 16 says, Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. What does that mean? Let me ask you guys this. Um, you guys ever talked to, uh, you ever seen a Christian like debating with somebody who's not a Christian and treat them not very nice? You ever seen this before? It, it, it probably happens way too much. And we've talked about this before, that there, that there are certain things in culture that have come up that I don't think Christians have handled too well. And what, what happens is, I, I caught myself doing this. I would watch, like, debates between an atheist and a Christian, and, and the Christian would, like, say mean things to the atheist, but he was getting his point across, and I'd be like, yeah, show that atheist what's up. And then afterwards, it really hit me. I felt convicted about this because I'm like, well, what's the point of having a debate with somebody? Like, do you think that that atheist came to know Jesus because the Christian was beating them down the whole time? No, no. In fact, a lot of times... People are most hurt by the church because of what people in the church have done to them. This is a reality. Like, I've, I, I've met many people like this. Why don't you go to church anymore? Well, and then they'll tell me about church people. And I go, okay, all right. It makes sense, right? This is why Peter here is saying, listen, listen, if you're going to talk to somebody, do it with gentleness and respect. There's a guy um, named Timothy Keller who, um, Bella, I'm actually going to give you a book by Timothy Keller because I think you'll like it. It's a really good book. He's got a ton of books by Tim Keller or uh, uh, by Tim Keller. And the thing that's really cool about Timothy Keller is he will debate, and I don't even like to say the word debate. He will have a conversation with anybody about what they believe. And he'll, he'll have these conversations with atheists, and atheists always leave the conversations going, that dude's awesome. And they go, well, dude, he completely disagrees with you. And they said, yeah, but, but he's cool. He's very civil. He treats them with love and respect. And, and guys, I'll tell you what, if you're ever going to lead somebody to Christ, it's probably going to be done with love and respect more than condemnation and pointing the finger the whole time, right? So what we've, what we've become is there's a lot of people in our country now who are more concerned about winning the argument rather than winning the soul. You'll, we'll be debating with non-Christians, and all we care about is getting our point across and that they hear our point. But that's not the, re that's not the thing. You can still show love. You can still um, speak truth in love. And this is exactly what he talks about. So, guys, 
when you're talking to people about, about Jesus, just remember how you respond to them says a lot about Jesus. It will either turn them towards Jesus or turn them away from Jesus, okay? So that's point number two. And then here's the last point. Let's look at verse 16, and then we'll do it. Oh, I just read it. Here it is. <laughs> Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you're accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So here's point number three. Respond differently. Respond differently. Now, here's what I mean by this. Let me ask you a question. Let me, get an, let me get an example here. Blake, Blake, if somebody came up to you right now and slapped you in the face, what would you do to them? No, 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 don't really do it. Good Lord. <laughs> You'd slap them back, okay? Let me ask you guys, anybody in here, if somebody does something to you, like you just want to do it right back to them? And let's be honest, anybody? Okay. Yeah, I've got sisters, right? Growing up, this is all, they would do something to me, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get them back, and I'm going to do it worse so that they don't mess with me again. On the way to the hospital yesterday, I was driving, and this lady, I guess I cut her off. I was listening to a podcast, probably not paying attention like I should, and uh, I, I think I cut her off, and I only assume this because she pulled in front of me, stuck her arm out the window, and started flipping me the bird, like very aggressively. She was just like waving it to make sure that I saw. I said, I get it. I get it, lady. Okay. You're mad at me. That's fine. All right? I have, I have been in a car with people who were, I thought were good Christians, who rolled the window down and were yelling F-words and all this stuff. I, I'll never forget, I was a kid, and it was this guy, he was, a, he was the dad of my friend, and this dude cut him off, and he rolled down the window, and he was like, bleep, bleep, and just yelled at him. And I was like, and, and it changed my view of him a little bit. I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not saying he's not a Christian, but he's definitely not acting like one, right? Guys, what's funny is since we have this sinful nature, we typically respond in sinful ways when bad things happen to us. It's kind of natural, right? When somebody slaps you in the face, your first instinct isn't to reach your hand out and shake their hand, right? Your instinct is to slap them back. If somebody treats you poorly, the instinct is to treat them poorly right back. And what Peter here tells us is he goes, listen, guys, I want you to respond a little differently than that, okay? Respond differently. When somebody treats you poorly, you, you respond with gentleness and love. Don't treat them, them bad in, res, in, in response. Like, think about this, guys. Um, the, the early Christians, these guys were trying to, to eradicate them. They were trying to wipe them off the face of the earth. They said, if we kill them and put them in prison, they will stop speaking the good word, right? They'll stop speaking about Jesus. And here's the thing. In, this works a lot of times, right? When, when you're a child, your parents will discipline you. They spank you to prevent you from doing a certain thing again and again right? If you say a bad word, a lot of times your parents will put soap in your mouth, right? And they're just like, my hope is to get you to stop doing this. And this is what they're trying to do with the Christians. They says, if we kill them, if we throw them in prison, they'll stop preaching about Jesus. Did that happen? Nope. It was the complete opposite, right? All it did was embolden them. It made them more passionate. They said, oh, you're going to kill us? We're just going to preach it more and more. What's crazy is they responded differently than the natural response, right? And you know, this, this confused Rome, they're just like, this isn't making sense. We're killing them left and right, but they're growing by leaps and bounds. What is going on here? And guys, this is what's cool. Think about this. Did Jesus respond differently? Think about what happened to Jesus. He was beaten, mocked, accused, falsely accused, dragged through a street, put on a cross, nailed to this cross, then hung up on this cross here. And do you guys remember what Jesus' response was? Do you remember what he said? What did he say? Yeah, Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Meaning, God, don't punish them for what they're doing to me. They don't know what they're doing. 
guys, when you want to talk about the complete opposite response of what your natural response should be. If somebody was nailing me to a cross, I I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. When I was watching the movie The Passion of the Christ, when they were beating him, I was like, don't let them do that to you, Jesus. Don't. Remember, Jesus could have called down legions of angels to wipe out everybody. And I'll be honest, it's a good thing I wasn't Jesus because if I was, I'd have been like, kill them all. Send the angels. Destroy these people, right? But I'm not Jesus. He responded way differently, and he set the example for us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Guys, the best witness that you can have as a Christian is to respond differently when people treat you poorly. If somebody treats you poorly and you respond with saying, hey, I don't appreciate that, but hey, I love you, man. God loves you. Jesus loves you. That's going to that's gonna raise some eyebrows. They're going to be like, what? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. So think about how you respond to people. Think about... Think about, like, we live in a time right now where culture is pretty hostile towards Christianity, okay? We're made fun of a lot. We're, we're, and, and I'm not saying that, that that's not unwarranted. I, I've said this before. I think the church has not done ourselves any favor in the last 50 years. But just remember, guys, that even if people treat you poorly, the best thing that you can do to show Jesus Christ to them is to respond in a loving way. When you respond in love, it will really get people to question what's going on. They're going to say, well, this doesn't make sense. What's going on? So, in conclusion, let me just say this. We as Christians, um, we're going to face suffering. I'll tell you right now, everybody in here will face a hard time in your life. Some people may go through harder times. Some people may not go through much hard time. But we're all going to face hard times in life. When, when you do, how you respond will show a lot of your Christian character. It will show a lot. If you, and I said this in the dating thing, okay, when you mess up or you go through a bad time, the question is, is what direction do you run? Do you run towards God or do you run away from God? And I want to encourage you guys, no matter what you go through, be encouraged, okay? You're going to face tough times, but remember that this is not our home. There's something great waiting for us. We just got to make it through this short time here on earth, and then we get to spend eternity with God, okay? Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll, uh, we'll break up into groups for a couple minutes, all right? Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. I'm so grateful for everyone that's here. Lord, this, uh, this message on suffering, God, is, is one that's obviously easier said than done. It's easy to say that we should treat people nicely when they treat us poorly, God, but, you know, this is just not within our nature to do. The only way that this happens is when we turn to you and we have the love of Christ living in our hearts, God. So, Lord, I pray that when we face trials, when we, fra- when we face persecution or if we face any kind of extreme persecution for our faith, God, that we don't, uh, that we're not intimidated, that we're not scared, but that we're always ready to share what we believe and that, God, that we do it in a way that's different than what culture says, that when we get slapped in the face, we respond with love. When we get ridiculed or mocked, we respond with grace. When somebody treats us poorly, we can show them the love of Christ by how we respond. So God, be with us as we leave here, and I just pray that all of us can live on fire for you and that we can follow the example of the Christians uh, in the time that the letter of 1 Peter was written, God, that we can live on fire for Christ as much as they were. We love you, God, and we thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.